take your Bible and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke in chapter 22. Today we're going to begin in verse 14 to 23. And uh, I will not be preaching the outline in the bulletin. That's my fault. Um, I um, try to get a sermon outline in as early as possible so we can get it listed in the bulletin for Sunday. And uh, sometimes the Lord wakes me up 4.30 in the morning and gives me a sermon. And I said, Lord, why are you waking me up at 4.30 in the morning to give me a sermon? He said, well, if you'd listen during the daytime, I wouldn't have to wake you up in the middle of the night. So this is from the Lord, and what a blessing. And I pray it'll be a blessing to all who are listening today. Brother Ernie, know that our prayers are with you today and that we're praying for you. And uh, we're so encouraged today to receive the Lord's Supper. And we invite all of you who profess Jesus as your Savior and your Lord to uh, dine at the Lord's table. And today we're going to come forward to receive the cup and the bread. And then you'll go back to your seat. And then we'll open it together and we'll receive the Lord's Supper together. Now as you leave today, there's a table back there uh, near the sound booth that has a bunch of kazoos in it. Okay? And uh, I want you to take that kazoo because last Easter uh, we had the outdoor, uh, we had the service outdoors. And when somebody agreed with the sermon, they blew their horn. And uh, Sunday, I don't it's been so long, I don't know which end you blow in, but um, next Sunday, um, bring that kazoo with you. Okay? So get you one on the way out today and bring it with you next Sunday. And uh, when I say, <coughs> Christ is risen, you will say, He is risen indeed. And then we'll all go, oh, that ain't how it works. <laughs> That's how it works, okay. So. Also, um, on a happier note, <clears throat> our daughter-in-law is in the hospital about to give birth to our granddaughter. So if I get the announcement today, I'm going to go, <laughs> <laughs> we're going we're to celebrate. So there's a lot to celebrate um, this Easter season. Bow with me as we pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you, Lord, for the word that you have placed in our heart for today. <clears throat> and I pray, Lord, we will receive your word with faith and courage because you have invited us to your table to participate in the Passover meal that has a whole new meaning because of Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. And Father, in this season when we celebrate Hosanna as the crowds did, we thank you that you were faithful to the cross, not to be the king they desired, but to be the Messiah that we needed, the one who would experience <clears throat> the abandonment of our sin for us and then the resurrection on the Lord's day. So Father, bless our worship today, bless our meeting time. We thank you for the movement of your Holy Spirit that we sense in this church in this hour. This is from the Lord. 
We cannot conjure up these things. These, this is God's timing and God's way. And Lord, may we be humble to follow the leading of your Spirit. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Beginning in verse 14 of chapter 22, <clears throat> the Scripture says, When the hour had come, <clears throat> he, being, meaning Jesus, reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. When he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of the one betraying me is with me on the table. For indeed, the Son of Man is going as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to discuss among themselves which one of them it might be who was going to do this thing. The Lord Jesus has invited the disciples to join him in this Passover meal at a table. The most hospitable invitation has been offered to the whole world in this passage of Scripture. We have been offered the opportunity to join Jesus in the Passover meal at his table. A table which was assigned by him and uh, the disciples honored what he instructed and sure enough there it was ready to go. When someone invites you into their kitchen or when someone invites you to their home to their table, they are inviting you to an intimate moment, an intimate moment, and it is in that intimacy that Jesus is speaking to his disciples. It will do us well to listen carefully to the invitation that Jesus gives to his disciples. The first invitation is that Jesus gives to his disciples is that we will join him at his table. He invites us to recline with him. Think about that for a minute. In the oriental custom of meals, they reclined at the table. There were no high tables with chairs and that sort of thing. People were literally leaning over like this and dining at the table. And it is a picture of resting. Think about that for a minute. Jesus invites you and me, Baptist, to come and rest with Him. Recline and rest a bit. We are so busy. We have lots to do. COVID has shut us down for a while. We're excited about getting busy again. We're having a lot of good, fun activities, but Jesus said there comes a time when everybody's walked with the Lord that we need to pause. 
and we need to rest. And we need to let Jesus instruct us and teach us some things. One of the reasons we don't rest is because we want to be in control of the world. I have a doctor friend named Dr. Rex Lagerstrom, who is retired now, and he's writing a book. He's a good Catholic friend of mine. And I asked him, what is the theme of your book? And he said, this is the theme. And today it's your zinger of the day, so if you want to write it down, write it down. It's really good. Let go of power and you will be able to rest. If you let go of power, you will be able to rest. I spent two years trying to control my world as pastor of a church in Louisville. Didn't do a bit of good. I lost a lot of sleep. Didn't rest very well. And the doctor told me, if you don't start sleeping, you are going to die. I said, Lord, how am I going to do that? I had a, a rehab nurse taking care of me at my home after I got out of the hospital. And she was trying to lecture me about resting. And she said to me, she was a Catholic girl, she said to me, if you'll do it right, if you'll pastor right, the church right, you can rest. And I've asked myself, what do the Catholics know that Baptists haven't learned yet? My Catholic doctor's writing a book about rest. The Catholic nurse is teaching me about rest. What do they know about rest that us Baptists hadn't caught on to yet? Well, it's not about the denomination. Baptist, Catholic, Pentecostal, or whatever. It's about Jesus. Remember Jesus told the crowd, He said, If you will come and take my yoke upon you and learn from me, I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. In other words, when we are trying to run our world and control our world, we are addicted to power. But in order to rest, we have to let go of that control. And we have to trust that God is sovereign. We have to believe that Jesus is Lord. And that Jesus is Lord of this church. Not Brother Tom, nor any other pastor. But it is Jesus who is Lord. If there is a revival to come to any church... It will come because we have joined Jesus to recline with Him and rest in Him and knowing that He is Lord and He is in charge and it is His church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And there is nothing that's going to come along to cause us to quit and to stop and to do something else except what Jesus has called us to do. Now, resting does not mean doing nothing. I'm getting ready to travel to Louisiana this week. Got some things to do. 
Got a cemetery that needs to be mowed, and I doubt if I'll get to it because the rain is so heavy down there right now. I can't get to the cemetery. It's way back in the woods. My grandpa's buried there. Grandpa and my grandma. He was born in 1869. What makes me feel old? Died in 1952. Born in the decade of the Civil War. Man, I'm old. But um, we will take a leisurely trip this week. Now, what, what, what is leisure? Leisure is not a time to be spent, but it's an attitude out of which to live life. God has called you to some leisure. Not an attitude of doing nothing. Leisure is not doing nothing. But leisure is how you live your life in rest in the Lord and know that He is sovereign and He is God and He is in charge and He loves us. You don't hear Jesus say anything else. When He invites you to come to His table and recline and rest with Him, He wants you to hear Him say, let go of power and rest. And know that I love you. And I have a plan for your life. Number two, Jesus invites us to reflect at his table. Not only to rest at his table, but to reflect at his table. There are two happenings going on in this passage of Scripture that need not escape our attention. One is the fact that Jesus has just told Peter that before a rooster crows in the morning, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter has said to the Lord Jesus, I will never deny you. I will die for you. After the Lord's Supper, sure enough, Three times, somebody said to Peter, you're one of his apostles, you're one of his disciples. Peter said, not me. Somebody else came along, a little girl said, you're one of his disciples, and, she, and he said, not me. And somebody else said it, and Peter said, not me. We need to reflect on how fragile our faith can often be. It's so easy to deny our Lord. It's so easy to say, I'm not one of those hypocrites down there at that church, and I'm not showing up. That's easy to do. That's an easy trap to fall into. And some of you are being tempted to do that. And what you need to know and remember is our faith is fragile and it needs to be renewed again and again. And that's why we need to come to the table. That's why we need to rest with the Lord Jesus. That's why we need to remember through the Lord's Supper that He has invited us to reflect on our faith. How fragile it can be. There are times in our life when our testing 
and our trials and our traumas. You say that again, the three T's that will test your faith, our testing, our trials, and our traumas. We all experience those. And sometimes our faith will wane as we face those experiences. And that's common to all of us. You're not the only one who has faced that fragile time in your life when you wonder, where is God? Why did this have to happen? Our faith is fragile. But our Lord is strong. And when I find it hard to carry on, and hard to believe, I just surrender the power trying to control the world. And I say, Lord, you just have to believe for me. Jesus, I trust you to believe for me. Because my faith is fragile. As the man told the Lord Jesus, when he asked him to heal his son, Jesus said, your son will be healed. He'll be okay. He said, Lord, I find it hard to believe, but help even my unbelief. Our faith is often fragile. And worse than that, not only do we have Peter in the picture here, reclining at the table with Jesus, so filled up with himself and his commitment to be strong, not realizing how fragile he's going to be, we also have the devil himself in the flesh, Judas. And Judas has lied from the very beginning. Every time somebody anointed Jesus' feet with oil and perfume, Jesus, uh, Judas would holler out, Ouch! We could have spent that on the poor. We could have done this with it. We could have done that with it. Sound like a church treasure to me. Oh, we could have done something else with that money. We can't spend the church's money. We can't do this. We got to save it. I'm glad y'all are spending it in ministry. I'm glad you're using it for the glory of God. And not trying to save it for a rainy day that's never going to come. God knows when the rainy days are, and He provides. We thought during COVID we'd go out of business, but we didn't, did we? No. God continued to, to provide. Yeah, there's this guy named Judas. He's not who he says he is. He's as big a hypocrite as you'll ever find hanging out with the apostles. And they're all trying to figure out which one it is, and they don't know. And I'll tell you, if you're trying to find the Judas of Ekron Baptist Church, you need to look in the mirror. Could be you. You could be that hypocrite. You could be the one that's gossiping and betraying the church. 
You could be the one that's whining and plaining and keeping the grumbling going. You might be him. So look in the mirror and say, Holy Spirit, help me not to be a betrayer of the church, but help me be faithful. So Jesus invites us to recline with him and find rest. Jesus invites us to reflect with him and discover that our faith is often fragile, and that's common experience. And that it is possible for people who hang around with Jesus to also betray him. But third and finally, Jesus invites us to receive a new covenant with God. He said in this passage of Scripture that this blood, this cup, the blood it represents is the new covenant in my blood. Now that's a whole sermon in itself. In fact, that's a series of sermons. But the summary goes kind of like this. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, God said to His people through the prophet Jeremiah, when they were in exile, a long way from home, a long way from tradition, Now, tradition is important. Catholics have taught me that, too. There's a Catholic chaplain I was deployed with to the desert, and he talked to me all day long about, when you're out here, you're away from home, you're away from your traditions. And part of what we do here is we keep those traditions going. And we had Thanksgiving there in the desert, we had Christmas there in the desert, and we try to keep those traditions going because tradition centers us in what we believe. And when God's people were exiled in Babylon, they were losing their traditions. I'm, I'm a liberal. I really believe that Genesis came from the exile. Because when you read Genesis, it says, this is why we marry man and woman. This is why we keep the law. This is why we keep the Sabbath. This is why we do this. This is why we do that. This is why we keep the traditions. And the people of Israel had lost their traditions in the desert. And the Lord said to them, I'm going to give you a new covenant. It will not be one that is written on stone tablets, but it will be written in your heart. And everyone who believes will receive this covenant and will receive the word of God. And no longer will you be teaching your children and your children's children the Ten Commandments. You will have a personal relationship with God that you will pass along to your children. Boy, that was brand new. That was, that was fresh. That was reviving. And Jesus said, here's the new covenant. Wow. Wow. When we partake in the Lord's Supper today, we are remembering again the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus that brought to you and me the new covenant.
So when we receive the bread and the cup, we are reviving our relationship with God and renewing our relationship with God and saying, Lord, write your word in my heart so strong that I never lose its meaning. We have a sweet, sweet lady who lives across from our church, contacted us a week ago and wanted to be here today for the Lord's Supper. And she's here. <laughs> Praise God for you. I'm glad you're here. As we partake of the Lord's Supper in a moment, for those of you who are unable to walk up here and receive it, we will bring it to you. And if you're seated up in the balcony, we can bring it up there to you as well. So my sermon today went like this. There are three R's in it. Jesus, uh, Jesus invites us to recline with Him at the table. Jesus invites us to reflect with Him at the table. And Jesus invites us to receive Him the new covenant of mercy and grace and glory. Will you receive him? Have you asked him to come into your heart? If you've not done so, you do that right now. Let's stand together. Let's bow our heads together. Our Father and our God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the reminder of the new covenant we have in Jesus Christ through this tradition that keeps us anchored in our belief. It's so important to observe it again and again as a memorial, as a remembrance of the new covenant that we have with you. There's some young person here today, there's some adult who has not given their life to you. I pray they will come Come forward during this invitation. Be seated on the front row and say, I give my life to Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Akron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Akron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Akron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.